Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is episode number 236. My name is Carlos Alvarez and I'll be your host for the show. I am recording this episode on September 22nd. I, I decided to batch record a few episodes today. I'm riding the high from an earlier recording, which you heard two weeks ago, with my business partner, uh, one of my business partners, uh, Andres Fernandez uh, from E Unleash, talking about Shopify and um, how to use apps for, for lead generation um, for your Amazon customers, as well as a whole host of other things that were pretty amazing. And I, I decided to, you know, based on, you know, inspiration from a, a meetup I did last Saturday, talking about 10 different ways to differentiate a private label product, um, I decided to turn it into a podcast and share it with you guys. But since it is 10, and since um, there's a lot to break down with each one, I decided to break it into a two-part series. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about, this is going to be part two. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, six through 10 on uh, when, it, when it comes to, let's call it six through 11. I'll throw an extra one in, but we're going to talk about those today. You can listen to this episode first, and then you can listen to last week's episode uh, next if you, if you want. So you don't have to listen to this in order. Uh, I'll recap some of the, some of the other stuff, but um, I highly suggest you listen to all 10. It'll really change the way you approach differentiating your private label product in what I hope is an actionable way. So uh, obviously I am writing solo um, and I, I wanted to recap a little bit what we covered in the last episode. So we, we covered, you know, the first five items that I felt were important to mention when it comes to approaching differentiation of your private label product. We covered color, basically changing the color briefly, um, weak, but there we gave, I gave a cool example on, um, a case study that I read on how it can be used in a powerful way, uh, quantity beyond just saran wrapping a few products together and calling it a bundle. We talked about length and how it, you know, some examples on, on when it's a weak way, uh, to use it and how to use it in a powerful way. Hint, hint is a, the, the final brainstorm was a telescoping stainless steel two or three foot joust, medieval joust looking marshmallow stick with a, with a hand guard. But since it's telescoping, it's not exercise. So you got to listen to that. And then we mentioned shape. And this little exercise I use where I say, you know, star, pair, animal. And when I'm looking at a product to get the creative juices flowing, we talked about how to get ordinary everyday products and look at specific user pain points uh, to, uh, to differentiate the product. And we talked about, um, you know, different exercises you could use and different uh, filters you could use to, uh, to really differentiate these these products in a meaningful way so um one other thing is that we i brought up that most if not all i just i don't feel even though i've been doing this for 15 years i don't feel like i'm the know-it-all like i know everything there is to know about differentiating products or re-engineering products but i found that almost all differentiating products falls into three areas one of them is the origin so like if i say made in germany you know, you think high, you know, highly engineered, high quality. If I say made in France, you think one thing made in USA, made in Italy, made in China and so on. So the origin of a product can be a differentiator. Um, I really like after having said it, cause it was on the fly that I said this, the, the, the example I gave. So if you're, 
if you, in the last episode, so if, if you're like Italy and leather, and I feel like Italy is known for like fine leathers and craftsmen. So if you get a leather product and it's made in Italy, while that does mean premium, it's not that big of a differentiator in my opinion versus say German leather, which I said on the fly, like a German leather belt. To me, that sort of brings together the, the, the perk you get with saying something's from Germany because it's highly engineered and precision with the leather. So, you know, maybe uh, Italian leather belts made in Germany. I don't know. But that's a way to differentiate at a higher level. You have the aesthetics, which we covered a lot of, which is like the color of the product, the packaging, um, usually, you know, usually doesn't require a mold. I mean, usually does require a mold. I'm sorry. Re-engineering the shape of a product. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit today. We talked about bundling, how to do it right, how to do it wrong. And then finally, what falls into is function. So like the functionality and the features or fixing of a product. Uh, a cool way to look at this is fatal flaws or like what's the problem here. Uh, the, I gave a pretty cool example in the last episode, which I won't toot my own horn over again in this episode, but it has to do with a whiskey glass and the size of a whiskey glass versus being used by petite users. So I think it's worth listening to. Today, we're going to jump into the next 10, or as I said, um, the next 11. Uh, it's going to be 11, so the next six, so the next five. Well, I can't speak today. So we have six more to share, basically. Um, I'm going to preface this with saying the five ways to differentiate that I shared in the previous episode. These are going to be a lot. Those are going to be a lot easier and more affordable than the next ones. Uh, granted, okay? Um, not all of them mean that they're going to be expensive, but they become more complicated for sure. And I still think they're worth exploring. So number six is going to be re-engineering the size. Um, I've done this a few times. So there was a product I used to sell a long, 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 long time ago that was these polymer gel beads and how everyone sort of shipped them online and with e-commerce was they sold them in these, uh, to give you a visual that I think everyone here will get is, you know, those really massive tubs of protein powder. Like you can't grab it with one hand. Like they're just these massive tubs and, and, and frustratingly, they all seem to only be like half full, but whatever these big tubs and these big tubs were full of these like desiccated polymer gel beads. So it didn't weigh that much. It was like two pounds. So, but it was just this massive container of these polymer gel beads. So what I decided was that I was going to re-engineer this. Like I can't re-engineer the polymer gel bead. So I re-engineered the packaging to be more affordable to ship. So this was at a time when, you know, polymer gel beads were, um, were, were I'm sorry, not polymer gel beads, where almost everything was more merchant fulfilled. Like FBM, FBA wasn't as big of a thing. So shipping these big containers made the shipping cost of this product a lot. It was the majority uh, of the cost was the shipping cost. The product, the product itself cost pennies. Like it was nothing. So you're selling this product for like 18 bucks and after shipping's taking 12 to 14 bucks from you. So what I decided was I'm going to re-engineer the packaging and by re-engineer, I don't, it's not as complicated as it sounds. I found this company, I think later became standuppouches.net and they, at almost like no MOQ, will ship you these different size stand-up pouches. So 
I ordered like one of like 16 different sizes and just found the one that fit all of the polymer gel beads that I was previously shipping in a tub. And my goal was to get it to fit in a size packaging that would work for a flat rate envelope. Because on that side, you have USPS, and it's if it fits, it ships. As long as it's under 50 pounds, I was dealing with two pounds of product, and that was how it was sold by the pound. As long as I could get it to fit in this envelope, it shipped. And my cost for that was going to be like five bucks, not 12 bucks, not 14 bucks. So I was able to do this, and because of that, I was able to turn this product into like a monstrously profitable product. Yes, people started catching on. And if you go on now, nobody is shipping these polymer gel beads in these tubs. But I was the one that kind of like changed it and did that. And for the next year, year and a half, I made a killing. So you can re-engineer the product to give you a better shipping experience to where, not, not even experience, a better shipping profits or make something that previously is not shippable, shippable. So if you're dealing with a bigger product that can be collapsed and that's not an FBA product and everybody, you know, all your competitors are using FBM, it may be a way for you to utilize FBA and containers and pallets and crush your competition just on your, your method of delivery. The other way of re-engineering a product that makes sense is if you're dealing with a product that's oversized or say over 18 inches and looking at this product and saying like, how could I re-engineer this? Like, how, how can I make this to where it would not be oversized, which alone is going to save you, I don't know, five, six, five plus dollars, depending on what it is, but it's going to save you a bunch. How can I re-engineer this so it will fit? So a visual example to play with, imagine if you're dealing with like this tabletop, you know, three foot long or, or say like two and a half foot long. Uh, it looked like an air hockey like thing, but made of wood. And, you know, little checker-like chips. I don't know. So you have a visual. In its, in its solid form, you're dealing with a two-and-a-half-foot length product. So, like, that's, that's oversized. That's, there's some very, very real fees involved with that. Now, if at the manufacturer level, if you were to break this up to where those were maybe three separate pieces that clicked together, like think Ikea, and just interlocked together, didn't require screws, nothing like that, interlocked together to give you the same smooth playing surface. Well, now, now you're dealing with a product that's maybe eight inches long and, and just a couple of inches tall because you're stacking the boards now and, and all the chips kind of are sandwiched in the middle. So you, you, you've now made a killing just on the profit from re-engineering the product. So I feel like re-engineering... And I could go on and on with this. And, and, and there's ways to do it to where you re-engineer the size of a product and it makes it a better product. It makes the functionality of the product better. Um, imagine if you did that with the game we said and we now just started targeting the travel niche. Like no one considered this a travel game before because it was just too big, but now we can. So really, really powerful way is re-engineering the size of a product. Um, finally, packaging. Um, packaging is less in a lot of cases, is less defensible. So meaning your, your, your competitors are eventually going to, to catch on on this, but it's still very powerful. Um, you, you, you want, in any situation where your competitors are dealing with like a brown box or have a brown box, you want to like 
put in color packaging. So you want it to be amazing. You want it to be giftable. You want it to be functional. Here are the areas where you're going to differentiate with packaging. Um, jumping on Ecom crew, crew a lot, you know, going back to them. Uh, Dave Bryant did something really good with some tow rope. He actually came up with a functional bag that has the tow rope, whereas the other ones, maybe the zippers fell off almost immediately. Uh, I, I, after hearing that, I started looking at my, my jumper cables, and it's like the last few sets of jumper cables I've had, they, they come in this handy little tote bag on the shelf, but you can never get it back in that tote bag. It's like some genius knew how to roll this a very specific way to ever get it back in the tote bag. So now this tote bag is just lying around. It's useless. And in other cases, as soon as I for, had to like force zip it shut, because again, I, I couldn't fit it back in perfectly, the zipper just broke because it was never a quality zipper or quality, quality material to begin with. So the packaging became functional packaging. The example I gave a little while ago or, um, or sorry, on the previous episode was I, I talked about instead of just bundling two single unit whiskey glasses together instead making them like a his and her set and you, you've now differentiated by quantity but you've also maybe you've turned the packaging into a really nice packaging that is what stores and protects these high-end whiskey glasses in your cupboard like once you take it out like the entire packaging you know lasts for life um, so super cool ways to do that. If you have a giftable product, if you have a product that you want to be giftable, differentiating by making the product, I'm sorry, the, the, the packaging seem very giftable uh, and something that would have that wow factor if you received it as a gift, that can be a form of differentiation as well. Um, number eight, technology. This is one we don't hear a lot about. This is a difficult one to pull off, but I was working with someone who had a smartwatch and they were selling these smartwatches. And, you know, to take advantage of the full functionality of the smartwatch, you had to tap into an app. So if you wanted to use this app, you had to give your information. So, you know, th that's an obvious one. But think of other products that you could do that with. And this has nothing to do with the type of app that I was talking about two weeks ago on the episode with Andres. Um, this, this has to do with... Think about, think if you have a jewelry box or if you have a humidor and these are just these wooden boxes at the end of the day, um, putting in like thumbprint technology or a, an app that, this is very simple technology, very affordable too, like you're not reinventing the wheel. Something that can tie to your app and will give you notifications anytime the the jewelry box was open or, or your cigar box was open. So, you know, if somebody's trying to like pilfer your stash, but like letting you read the humidity levels going on inside of your humidor. And when it hits a certain level, automatically order some, some Boveda humidification packs or, you know, whatever the case may be. So marrying technology to your product, whether it's via Alexa, whether it's via apps, whether it's via club, whatever the case may be, uh, technology can be a big differentiator with your private label product and it does not have to be expensive. Um, licensing. Uh, licensing is going to be number nine. <coughs> um, licensing is a pretty obvious one. Um, it's something I was with, you know, I, I went on a trip to the Vegas licensing show uh, earlier this year with, with several other wizards 
and we learned a great deal about product licensing and we learned about his brand cozy phones and how he used the differentiation of licensing to you know defend himself against the tsunami of chinese competition that was coming for these for these kid headsets and and it worked it absolutely worked it's worked to such a degree that he's actually licensing his product out now because it's done so well. But licensing in a nutshell is pretty much in this case, well, in this case is he's got this kid's headset and it's just this plain kid's headset. Well, imagine this headset with Nickelodeon characters and Disney characters and all that. You know, once you have a product that, that has some legs and it's maybe doing seven figures in sales, gross sales per year or, or flirting with that, you know, you're now at a point where you can get licensing. Um, if, you, if you're interested in going that route or you, you're like having an aha moment listening to this, uh, I made a lot of cool contacts while I was at that licensing show, uh, most introduced by Paul. And, um, you know, one of the fellow wizards is, is brokering a deal right now with them to, you know, use the licensing of Red Cross with their water. It's freaking genius. So if you're interested in doing that and you want to contact that broker that, 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 hooked, that hooked Tom up, um, reach out to me on Instagram, you know, at Wizards of Ecom or reach out to me on Telegram, you know, wizardsofecom.com slash chat. And, and I'll share that information with you so that you could do the same thing. But bringing in licensing for your product can be another, it can be a very powerful way to differentiate your product. And it gives you like, it gives you an exclusivity and it gives you a lot of teeth because this, this say Disney, they're not going to let other people just copy your stuff. Like they're going to police the heck out of that. Um, licensing is more expensive. So you definitely want to make sure that you have a product that, that already has legs uh, before you try to differentiate in this way. Uh, final one, I w- I'm sorry, uh, number 10, I won't spend a lot of time on this one uh, because it's, it's, it's above my pay grade, but it's a very real thing and that's patents, whether it's a design patent or utility patent that you've created something different um, and unique and you want to protect it with intellectual property via, uh, you, want a, you want higher intellectual property protections via a design patent or a utility patent. Um, I would definitely check out the crew at Seller Basics if that's something that you're, you're wanting to do or you're just wanting to know if you have a product that qualifies for that. Again, that, that is something you could do from the beginning, but it is something that you're, you're going to put up significantly more money to be able to achieve, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what you're trying to protect and how many things you're protecting. Uh, final one, the bonus here, number 11, is is going to be uh, trademark exclusive keywords. And, and I, I don't hear enough people talking about this. So by this, what I mean is you're going to pretty much create an exclusive keyword for yourself on Amazon. And an example of this is going to be with a humidor brand, you just, you know, you go out and you trademark, and this is what somebody did. You can look this up. Um, I won't say any names, but Sure Seal Technology, right? So Sure Seal Technology is not anything. It's this company decided to go out, trademark this term, and say, you know, our humidors are designed with Sure Seal Technology. And since it's trademarked, and since they were going to like start incorporating this in their blogs and social media and all this other stuff, uh, in all of their branding, people began asking about what is SureSeal technology? Does your humidor have SureSeal technology? Like you, it, it's a process that happens and it can happen quite rapidly to where people are looking for this. And if anyone, you know, what, once you successfully do this, once 
somebody starts saying, let me just put in SureSeal technology on my humidor, you know, on my listing so that, you know, people see it and, and convert on my listing. I don't know what that is. You can protect it. You can have it removed because it's a, it's a trademark uh, IP protection that you have. So think about a different product you have, like, um, I don't know, I, I say the whiskey glass, we use as an example, uh, Vibramax, you know, our whiskey glasses are made with Vibramax, uh, technology. And, and imagine if that was just something you use to create a shatterproof glass like Govino did. Um, you're not talking about the material, but you're saying it, it's, it's made with Vibramax. I'm just making this up on the top of my head technology, which is a shatterproof with, with shatterproof Vibramax technology. So if you have Vibramax trademarked, and you keep dropping this out there and getting more exposure and you know doing PR and doing blogs and, and, and all of your social, people will start searching for things that have Vibramax technology. People, that may be the differentiator between somebody buying your whiskey glass and somebody else's. So it's a very powerful uh, play. I'd say it's definitely a higher level play if you're making it. Um, but I call it trademarking exclusive keywords. And if you want to see an example of this in use, again, you just have to look for SureSeal technology and humidors. By the way, SureSeal technology is just some random Chinese guy at the end of a line at the factory who lifts the lid and drops it and wants to hear woof, kind of like a vacuum seal on the humidor. There's nothing there. And that was really just made up on the fly, you know, to start answering stuff to friends. But, you know, there's no, it's not a thing. But it's now a thing that people want their humidor to have when they buy a humidor so i hope you enjoyed this we covered a lot i know the the differentiate the the points of ways of differentiating that we covered in today's episode um is a lot more complicated in some cases a little more expensive than the easier ones that we covered in the uh previous episode however remember trying to avoid a cost up front to achieve really good differentiation doesn't give you a pass on that money you wind up spending it regardless if you go to market market being amazon if you bring up a, a me too product to amazon even if it's something that you know may succeed the product is going to pay more in the way of ineffective ad spend and needing to stand out by spending more money having lower conversion rates over the life of the product than if you would have just spent the couple hundred or the couple thousand dollars up front and differentiated because now you would have converted better. You'd have much more effective ad spend. You'd be able to spend less and, and have greater results. So I hope this really helped. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really look forward to talking to everybody next week. I look forward to seeing you at the meetup this Saturday. Um, let me know your thoughts on what you think about these episodes and any feedback you have, any topics you'd like me to touch. Uh, I do check my Instagram as much as possible at Wizards of Ecom. And you can reach me on Telegram. Um, on Telegram, the easiest way to join our Telegram chat groups is go to wizardsofecom.com slash chat. Much love. Keep crushing.